geheiligt werde dein Name, dein Reich komme, dein Wille geschehe, wie im Himmel so auf Erden. Unser tägliches Brot gib uns heute und vergib uns unsere Schuld, wie auch wir vergeben unseren Schuldigern. Und führe uns nicht in Versuchung, sondern erlöse uns von dem Bösen. Denn dein ist das Reich und die Kraft und die Herrlichkeit in Ewigkeit. Amen. Now we have some desire. Oh, the prayer requests. You have in front of you these little slips, and we ask if you have a prayer request for yourself, for your family, for a community member, just write it down, and you can drop it off in a little basket that we have at the front here. Um, and then we can incorporate them. Our prayer team will help pray for you, and we can incorporate those prayers. Get the mic up. Okay. All righty. So yes, do fill out your little prayer requests and bring them to the front, please, into the basket. Thank you. Thank you very much, Katie. Now, as you can see, Helena and Rachel um, have kindly agreed to help me out this morning. So um, they both now have some thoughts on worship for you. Just a short little thought. Helena? music should exist at all but somewhere at some time someone sang the first song and it was a gift of God's grace I hope the front row heard that yeah. <laughs> all right we'll we'll Sorry. go to the green mic to Rachel over here <laughs> she has the second quote cause every task of your day to be a sacred ministry to the Lord however mundane your duties for you, for you, they are a sacrament. That's by Richard Foster. 
There are no inconsequential activities. When we live lives of worship, every activity becomes infused with significance. And we turn our daily activities into worship as we offer them to the Lord. The reason that everything we do can be an act of worship is that God has made each one of us a temple where he dwells through the Holy Spirit. When we become aware of that presence, every moment of our day is sacred. working on some of our techie items and um, I neglected to let the crew know that we would need the individual mics so we are still ironing out some of the bumps so let us sing another song there is a redeemer the um, text will be on screen This morning is Psalm 145, verses 3 to 7. And I'll be reading from the New Century Version. Psalm 145, verses 3 to 7. The Lord is great and worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. 
Parents will tell their children what you have done. They will retell your mighty acts, wonderful majesty and glory. And I will think about your miracles. They will tell about the amazing things you do. And I will tell you, I will tell how great you are. They will remember your great goodness and sing about your fairness. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. And our opening song is number 86. We, um, if you can kneel, if you would like to kneel with us, um, and we, we will be singing the first verse. Dear Lord, we come before you again. We recognize your blessing in this place and your presence. And we thank you for all your promises that you are fulfilling to us in our daily lives and as we speak. You are greater than we can imagine. And you pour your glory and your love and your mercy into our lives. We thank you that we see it every minute of every day. We, we beg you now, Lord, a Sabbath blessing into our hearts and our characters that you will put your spirit in us, that we, you will use your people that you see here to show the world how beautiful and how great you are. We ask for something special today, Lord. We ask that you will help us to see others around us the way you see them and the way you see us with love and mercy. We ask you to let our lives show your love and your mercy to others. We thank you for the, the Sabbath rest you've given us, promise of the rest in heaven when everything is complete. We thank you for each family here, and we ask you to have your hand of blessing on each one here, each one that's not able to be here, and all those who are listening and, and watching online. <coughs> we, we ask your, for your Holy Spirit in our hearts that the words a pastor has from you for us today will enter our, our thoughts and consciousness and, and perform what you desire them to do to make us more like you. We beg you again, Lord, that we might see you today and have your presence here with us. And we ask you in Jesus' name, amen.
so great to see you this morning. Welcome all who are coming from close and from afar. Thank you for visiting us today, especially those who are online who couldn't make it today. We are coming to the conclusion and basically to the celebration of the 10 days of prayer. And it's been a tremendous blessing to be part of that. I know, I know many of you didn't get the opportunity to be part of this experience, but do not worry, more will come. And we will definitely encourage you to join us. It's been a journey, a journey where we have learned about God, we have learned to trust Him more, and we have learned about prayer. And guess what we learned? We are not using prayer as much as we need to. One thing that it did show us is that we require to pray more than ever before. Today's message is called, The Three Angels Called to Prayer. And if the three angels are telling us, it is time for you guys to start praying, we should listen. Because things are happening really quick before us. And we need to take heed of the words that God has sent us. And in the midst of those messages, the main focus is for his church to learn to pray, to learn to obey, to learn to trust. So I tell you, I only have 10 pieces of paper here. So please take seat. <laughs> Get comfortable. Not too comfortable. Remember that every time we come to the, to, the, to the house of God, we come here for one specific reason, and that's to see Jesus. And this is our prayer, that today you will be able to have a connection with him. Everything else is important, but not as important. The main reason why we came today, why you took the journey out in the ice and you were willing enough to step on that ground, is because you wanted to have that glimpse of Jesus in your life. So I pray that you will have that, that you will get that. But you need to pray with me as well. There are two kinds of uh, churchgoers. The ones that come and say, well, everything was awesome. It was good. I did like it. But what was it about? Well, I don't remember. I, I just know it was good because it didn't even feel like an hour or two. And there is another group that is very active when they come to the church of God. And they are paying attention. They are making notes. They're questioning things, they're analyzing things, and they're asking God to talk to them directly. And I wish this is the group we have today. So let's pray together as we ask God to open uh, his knowledge before us and his blessing. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you because we need to see you. It's only the second, third week of this year, and we're already struggling a lot. And we can only see what this year is about to bring. But we, are not, we have nothing to fear of the future unless we forget how you have led us in the past. This morning, Lord, we come before you with humble hearts, asking you to please reveal yourself to us. Talk to us directly. Allow us to see your Holy Son and help us to have a better picture of who Jesus is. Therefore, we will know the Father. As we open your word, may you speak to us directly and shake us, Lord. Do not allow us to leave this place the same way we came in. Help us to be moved by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The three angels called to prayer. Wow, it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And today, for those of you that couldn't come, and for those of you that came and, and maybe you are starting to forget, we're going to go over a little bit of what we understood but we're going to do a little review. We're going to do a little exercise here. 
we are going to open our Bibles to Revelations chapter 14, verse 6 and on. Revelations chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. So we're going to read together. Revelations chapter 14, verse 6 to 12. And I'm going to start with A. This is going to be A. The people on the organ side are going to be on the A side. The people on the piano side are going to be on the B side. And, and, and what we are going to do is basically read alternate, alternating ourselves. Verse 6, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, verse uh, 11, and I will do verse 12. Are we all clear with that? Okay, uh, well, people on the, pia on the organ side, A, let's start, 3, 2, 1, go. Okay, okay, people on the, on, on the piano side, I think we can do much better than that. Let's stand up, let's stand up, get, get up a little bit, and, and fill your lungs with air so we can hear you. Three, two, one, go. You may be seated. Now stand up on my, on my uh, left side and he, listen, you're reading a loud angel saying something very important. So let's do it, please. The third angel, please stand up. Remain standing. Let's stand up. And all of us read verse 12 to 13. Here's a patient of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Thank you. you. may be seated. Oh, pastor put us to exercise this morning. It's good. Let's get some, some oxygen here. And, and if you were pretending to fall asleep, it is not going to happen. I think it, it definitely gives us a, a, an opportunity to understand the urgency of this message. Number one, there is a message that has been given to the world and also to the church. This message was given to the church 
of the latter days, to the church of the end times. A message with urgency. When it's given by angels and, he gives, and it's given with a speed, it tells us that this message needs to be given quick and there's an urgency in it. And the urgency in it is that we are called to pray. And I am scared, you know, because I often don't pray as much as I used to or I need to. I'm scared to know that my life is in danger at this very moment and I'm not praying as is required. I'm not using this tool as I should be using it. Yes, there is the odd prayer in the morning when I wake up and maybe when I go have some food and maybe when I have another plate of food and, and when I go to sleep. But is that really a prayer life? Is that really a lifestyle of prayer? Considering the actions, considering the things that are happening in this world right now, will that take us through? I mean, let's be real here. We are truly facing consequences and actions that require us for us to pray more than we ever have before. And many of us still don't even know how to pray. Let's go back a little bit. And, and let me tell you today, you are going to hear a message that God is telling you. So please don't take it on the pastor. This is God is speaking to you. You pray about that. So God is going to mess with you in a way that you haven't been best before. And, and pastor, well, I thought I was coming to a friendly church. This is a friendly church. And because you, you are our friends and because we are friends of God, God is telling us what we need to know. Some of us are discussing whether uh, we, we are on the argument of, well, what's the right way to pray? And if we pretend to pray, should we do it sitting down? Should we do it kneeling down? Should we do it this way or that? Forget about the argument of prayer. I've told you last night as we were closing the 10 days of prayer, we are living in times that there is no room for arguments right now. There are a number of theological arguments that could definitely give us a good, a, a, a good excuse for us to sit down and open the Word and, 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 and show how elevated our thoughts are. Because we know so much about theology that definitely we could spend the rest of the morning here discussing on how we should pray. But that's not the point. We have no time for that anymore. It is time to pray whether you do it sitting down while you go to sleep, while you are up, if you do it at 4 in the morning or 4 in the afternoon. Whatever the time is, I just want you to learn to pray. Because that's what is needed right now. I, I feel that our church has lost so much time arguing whether it should be women's leading or, or, or men leading or, or should, be, should we have elders movement leading? Should we not? Should we have this type of carpet? Or should we put another color in the carpet? Should, should the walls be this way? Should we use the, the pulpit for, for certain purposes? Or should we move it or not? We've been so busy. Talking about all these wonderful things. That we forgot that our call is urgent. And it's urgent because the world is dying. See, when you have a patient... Who's in critical care. You have no time to waste. Oh, but how do I look? D did I put the right clothes on? Did, do, I, do I have the right uh, 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 ornaments? Did, did, I, did I wear the, the, the proper things? When you have someone who's in critical care. There's no time for that. All you have time. Is to give the hand that is needed. Right now is no time to say. Well you haven't come to church in a long time. Where have you been? Or, 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 or what about 
keeping the commandments of God. Where have you been? What have you done during this past three weeks? It is not time for me to argue with you where you've been. It is time for us to say welcome. Welcome to the house of God. Good that you're here. We are happy to see you. Now, Pastor, do you see how they came? I don't care how they came. The fact is that God brought them here for a good reason. He wants to save them. It is time to talk about salvation. And the first angel, when he talks about the message that he's given, is a message with urgency. And the urgency is not so much about what we are telling the world. Listen to me. The message is not about so much what we are going to tell the world. The message is for urgent need of the church of God to start praying. Because there is a reason for that. Let's go back to the Bible, please. Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. To do what? To argue? To slap in people's faces? To debate who has the biggest knowledge? To preach? To those who dwell on the earth. You know what this message tells me? When the first angel is seen in the midst of, of, the, of the heavens. And he is preaching. That tells me one event. That is still about to take place. But it's very clear. That is very near to us. The outpour of the Holy Spirit. The preaching will not take place. Unless the Holy Spirit is poured out onto his people. We've been praying for that fulfillment long time ago. And we've known that it could have happened twice already a long time ago. The fulfillment of God's second coming could have happened already. If the church got together, fixed their issues, put their ego aside, and let God lead the, lead the church. That could have been taken already place in this place, in, in, in the church. You know, when the first angel is seen in the midst of, of, of heavens, and he is preaching the everlasting gospel unto every tribe, nation, tongue, and people of the world, it is a sign that Acts chapter 1 verse 8 has been fulfilled. It is a sign that the outpour of the Holy Spirit has been fulfilled in the church of God. The message is going to be preached everywhere. But it's not going to be preached with people that are thinking, well, maybe I believe in God, maybe I don't. Maybe I'm a Christian, maybe I'm not. Maybe I trust Him, maybe I'm not. Maybe I pray, maybe I'm not. It's not going to be preached like people for those, of those type of people. It's going to be preached by people who understand that the only way they can do things is if they claim unto the Holy Spirit to do the work. I tell you, I'm excited about this. Because if this prophecy is about to be fulfilled, that means that the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out like never has been seen before. And you and I have the opportunity to be part of that special group. The message of the first angel tells us that there is a gospel that needs to be heard everywhere. But last night we had Debbie, and I know she's watching online today. She was telling us about the so many millions in the, in the world that have not been reached yet by the gospel. Millions. Hundreds of cities made out of millions of people that today, they don't have a Bible on their hands. 
They don't have a, a, a way to, to know about who Christ is. In fact, let's not go to another side of uh, parts of the world. What about our Caribbean region? Is there still people here that don't know about God? Yes, there is. There are people here that still don't have a clue, a, a, a full knowledge of who Christ is. That means that when the first angel goes out, it's a sign also that the outpour of the Holy Spirit is taking place. That's why there's an urgency for prayer. Luke chapter 11. Come with me to Luke chapter 11. And this is what basically 11.13. We open up the 10 days of prayer with the urgency of prayer. Luke chapter 11 verse 13. And, and we can go before. We can start from verse 9. And this is God. Basically Jesus is speaking unto, unto his disciples. The concept of how much God is willing to bless us. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And for he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. And if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, the he will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you were sitting here this morning thinking, oh, the pastor is going to open revelations and finally he's going to talk about the mark of the beast and, and, and the events that are taking place and he's going to start pointing fingers out. You came to the wrong place. Because before we start pointing fingers out, we need to look at what's happening in Jerusalem. And this is the upper room. This is the place where the special forces of God are being trained to go out. Not to mingle with each other. Not to just stay here. Secluded. Safe. Let's not mingle with other people. <coughs> unless we lose our salvation. We are here to ask for God's special spirit. For God's blessing. This is why we come to this place. I mean for a number of years. We have come to receive and receive and receive. But it is no longer time for us to receive. It is now time for us to give out. There is a world that is dying. And this world needs to, needs to have the knowledge of, of, of the seven last plagues. Of the destruction of the world. Of the fire that is going to be there forever and ever. They need to have knowledge of the everlasting gospel. They need to have knowledge of who Jesus is and what he's willing to do for them. They need hope. They need happiness. They need joy. And the only one who can offer that is Jesus Christ. They need to know who Jesus is. But in order for me to speak about Jesus, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then guess how much it takes? Guess how much it takes for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Just to ask. Just to ask. Then why are we not asking? What's happening with us? Why do we make this so complicated? Why when we come to Revelation, we feel that we can't even open that book because it's so hard to understand. It is so simple. 
God is telling us, look, in the last days, there will be a message be given out to the world. But in order for that message to be given, my people need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You will not go alone. I'm not going to send you alone. I'm not going to send you on your own. In fact, you cannot do it. You can't do it. And maybe for a number of years, we have tried to do it on our own. And that's why we fail so bad. Maybe and just maybe it is time for us to start re-educating ourselves and think, hey, what is going on? If the signs are there, if everything is... Oh, I tell you, listen to what we're going through right now. And I'm going to be very clear and honest with you. Right now, and, and, and we are being recorded, right now we're only to be able to meet at this place with 50% capacity. That means that we are able to have between 135, 140 people here without asking for vaccine passports. That's the truth. That's what the mandate says. If you go 75, 80 kilometers up, there's no way you can meet without asking people for vaccine passports. Are we clear with that? That's what the mandate says right now. Now, the mandate says you're able to meet for worship services. That's what the mandate says. If you're opening the church for worship services, therefore go for it. You're able to meet with that. I was thinking this week and I said, man, could the Lord be more clear than that? If you interpret that mandate, it says anything that has nothing to do with worship, you should not be meeting for. And if we are not meeting to worship, then what are we meeting for? There's no reason to do it. And guess who's telling us that? The government. We've been too busy doing so many things around church. And now the government is telling us, listen, forget about the rest. Meet to worship. And here we are fighting whether I want to come or not. Or is this the place? Or Even the government is telling us the only reason why you can open the church right now is to worship. And I would say... If the, if the church is not meeting to worship, then what's the meeting about? What's the reason for the church to be open if it's not about worship, God? You see the struggles we have right now? I, I, and then the struggle comes into, is prayer night worship time? Yes or no? Well, if it's not, then why do we have it at all? If it's not worship, why do we even try to have a worship night or a prayer night? You see how things are being very filtered out for us because it seems that we are not understanding. And God is telling us straight out, look, it will get to the point that you're not going to be even able to open that church because the way you've been opening it is for so many things but worship. So now only worship is allowed. And I say, praise the Lord. Because we've taken all these other things that were taking so much time of our lives. And now we're dedicated to worship. Somehow, the government is even helping us with that. You see, when Satan tries to do things, God has a way to bring a blessing when he tries to curse the church. In the midst of the curse that Balaam tried to send to the people, without even knowing, he was blessing them. And in the midst of all these mandates, the church has been blessed because now the church is not able to be open if it's not going to be worshiping God. And I say amen to that. It should never be open if it wasn't because of that. 
The three angels' message causes for prayer. It is, it is urgent for us to learn how to pray. Because somehow when you pray, you develop a relationship. When you pray, you develop a trust. When you pray, you develop a lack of confidence on your own. And you start doubting yourself and you start believing in him more and more. And the end time people will be the type of people that knows their God. Not by what they, what they hear from the pastor or the leaders or Doug Bachelor or any of these amazing ministries. It will be because they have a relationship with God themselves. It is time for us to stop trusting so much on all these wonderful things that are happening. And learn on our own what God is telling me on a daily basis. See, the three angels message is a beautiful message. Because it's a wake-up call for the church. Before the church can go out and say about what's happening with Babylon, the church needs to wake up and say, what's happening with me? Because I might be too invested in Babylon that I don't even know what God is saying. The second angel's message talks about fear God and give Him glory, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him, He who made heaven and earth, the sea, the springs of the water. And another angel follows saying, Babylon is fallen. It's fallen, that great city. Because she has made all the nations drink from the wine of the rod of the, her fornication. And this week I was impressed by God's message. When, when we hear about Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. He's having a debate with God saying, Lord, what if we were to find 50 people that are righteous? Would you spare their lives? And you know the story? How he goes to five, and not even five, were found worthy in that city. But as he is interceding on this side of the, of the hemisphere, there is somebody living within the outskirts of that city. Who was that? Lord and his family. And it could be. When you see the life of Lot, you can tell that he was a righteous man. When you see his experience, you can understand that he was a man that feared God. But just because he was living too close to that city, his daughters were impressed with a different mindset. His wife was seduced with a different mindset. And when the time came for them to leave that city, they couldn't just go. And I'm thinking, maybe we are too seduced in Babylon. That when it comes to time to tell the Babylon is falling and we need to leave. Will my children follow? See, the third angel message calls on to family connection. We, we are too busy preaching on to other nations. But we forget that Jerusalem is first. And my biggest question is, will they follow when I tell them, hey, it is time for us to leave all these desires, all these ideas, all these philosophies, and all these places. And we need to move, not physically only, but spiritually, emotionally, socially. We need to be moving out of those things. Will my children follow? Will Jewel's children follow? See, we've been too busy living close to Babylon, to the outskirts of these great cities. That our vision has been very blurred now. And now it is hard to define 
where is Babylon? Who are we preaching to? Because oftentimes it seems that we're preaching unto ourselves. We are too confused. Remember that Babylon comes from confusion. We are too confused of the times that we're living on today. That we don't even have a right direction to say this is what the Lord is telling us to do in current times. Our pastor, our people coming to me and say, Pastor, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I said, look, what I know what we should be doing is preaching unto the world. That's what the Bible said. But shouldn't we be standing against the government? Shouldn't we be doing this? The Bible doesn't tell me that. I wish you would tell me that so I can tell you, yes, let's do it. I'm all up for it. I can do it. I can try. And I have a heart that I, I, I tell you, it could betray me. But what I understand is that God has called us to reach others with his everlasting gospel. That's it. If he had called us to be revolutionaries into a war zone, revolutionaries into an era that calls good evil and evil good, he would have told us so. But he called us to preach the gospel, the second coming of his son. He told us that this world is not forever. This is not our home. You can't try to fix things here because it's not going to happen. This is not the place. We are walking to Zion, to a beautiful Zion, to a city where we will not see this anymore. And as we walk towards that place, let's bring as many people as we can, including our children. The first commandment is to have with our families that connection that we are supposed to have in heaven. So therefore, look around. Have a good picture of who sits here every Sabbath. And whenever you don't see him here, make sure you call them and say, hey, I miss you today. What happened? Is there something I can do for you? We've been missing you at church. We don't want anybody to be lost. And, and let me tell you, the church is not going to save us well. Not because we're sitting here means that everything is fine. But it at least gives you the opportunity to listen to what God is saying and somehow might change your heart. With that same bread, it is not time to start looking around and see who's doing it and who's not. We are not called to do that. We are called to uplift. We are called to support we are called to lead. We are called to reach. We are called to help. That's what we are called for. If, if, if you thought it was different, let me tell you, I'm sorry. There is another place where you can do that. This is not the place. The three angels' message calls us to a revival and a reformation. Of our old ways of doing things. What, what, what's that? What does that mean? It tells us that the time will come when worship will be so relevant. That it, is not, if, if it has nothing to do with worship. We shouldn't be doing it. The second angel, angel calls us on to worship the one who created the heavens and the earth. The water and everything that is in it. He calls us about the creator. He tells us that the creator is the one who has the rights over us. And is the one that we should be following. So what's worship, pastor? I tell you, there is a sermon that has been prepared on that. And you will get a better glimpse on worship. But I believe David said everything that, has, that is breathing should be worshiping God. 
anything that we do should be about worshiping God. When I see the mandates in nowadays, I say, well, how are we supposed to be doing everything about worship? If we move, if we eat, if we leave, we leave because of him. Isn't our lives about worshiping him? Isn't it great that the government is telling us exactly what we should be doing in today's time? Worship him. Doesn't that relate to the second angel's message? The time will come when churches will only be open to worship. I praise the Lord for that. Who would have thought in 222 we would be told that directly to our face on a Monday. If you are not worshiping God, you shouldn't be opening the church. The government is the one that is outlining that for us. That gives us a lot of headaches to pastors and leaders. Because we now need to reevaluate everything. And filter everything through the eyes of worship. But guess what? That's God's work. And now if there's nothing to do with worship, let's not even bother. There's no time for that. Other people have time for that. We are busy trying to reach people unto God's kingdom. We have no time to waste. Does this make sense? The three angels message gives us the preparation for the second coming of Christ. When we hear this message, we understand that God is preparing his special people for his second coming. Jesus is coming again. I, I don't know if you, if you probably heard this so many times that now you're starting to forget or, or you're starting to doubt. Or you just got too comfortable about hearing that because it has been said over and over again that we probably don't even wonder what does that mean for Jesus to come again. I've heard that since I was a child at church. I remember knocking one person's door one day. We were giving out... Uh, what do you call them in English? Uh, These magazines that we get to hand out to people. Signs of the Times. I was giving out a Signs of the Times. And I remember the title of that specific uh, uh, edition, which was A Day to Remember. It was a beautiful topic about the Sabbath. It was, it was wonderful. And I remember knocking onto this person's door, and when I wa walk up to him, he was playing cards. And it turned out that he himself called himself, uh, uh, what do you call them, a witch. Like he, he could foresee the future. And, and he said that he had a connection with some God that would tell him everything. And I was trying to explain to him, look, I have this for you. And he said, well, I knew you were coming because I saw you. And I said, well, how do you see me? Well, because I know I, I, I connect with this God and he tells me everything. And I felt so uh, angry at what he was saying. I would tell you. I said, look, the only reason why you are alive right now is because he's so merciful to you. And he said, listen to me, boy. And I was probably 18, 20 years old. He was an older guy. And he said, listen to me. I've heard about his second coming ever since I was a kid. And I don't believe it anymore. My parents told me about that. It's a lie. You shouldn't be preaching about it. And I said, look. I believe that, not only because my parents told me, but because I now know that he fulfills his promises. And he said he will come. He's coming. He's coming. 
Jesus is coming again. He's telling his people in today's time, get ready. Things are getting serious. It is time to start praying. It is time to start looking around your children, your parents, your brothers. It is time for you to pray even more for their salvation. We have no time to waste. So many have gone before us already. When I came to this church, I said, God, please keep them alive while I'm there. That's the one part I do not like as a pastor. Having to say goodbye to my members. I, it breaks my heart. It's probably a pain that I can't explain to you. Because as a pastor, you get to love everybody. And every time you put them onto the grave, it's just something that I, I, I have a hard time dealing with. And over the year ago, and, and, and almost two years, I've been saying goodbye to different family members of yours. And every time we go to that cemetery and, and, and we put him there on the grave, I just get that confirmation that he is coming very soon. Soon we will see him rise again. Soon he will call them by their name. But it's now on to you and I to keep passing on this torch, to keep reaching others, to keep on preaching unto others. There is a younger generation that right now, it's being raised without even knowing who we are as Seventh-day Adventists. There is a generation that right now is sitting here and have no clue about His second coming. Why do we call ourselves Seventh-day Adventists? Why do we keep the Sabbath? And why do we preach as one of our biggest messages that Jesus is coming again? I am sorry for that. But that is taking place. But guess what? Yes, the church has something to do with that. But it a lot has to do with our homes. Our homes have lost the light that should have never lost. It is time for us to light up the candle and say, Lord, use us here in our home. Our neighbors, our next door neighbor. That one that never likes us, that never cares for us. Well, he needs to know. Not about my theology. Not about what I believe. He needs to know that Jesus is the answer for his life and his children as well. Many of us don't have our children at church right now. And they don't want anything to do with God. What would happen if our, if our church starts praying on behalf of those lost souls. What would happen if we commit ourselves to God. Recommit ourselves to God. And tell him to save our children. He said whoever knocks. It opens. Whoever asks. It's answered. It's given. Whoever seeks. Finds. Well he said that. It wasn't me who said it. It was Jesus himself. And if he said he's willing to save your children. You should be claiming unto that promise. Do not hesitate. The third angel's message. Calls us for preparation. For his second coming. See the third angel's message tells us that at the very end of those three messages. There will be a group of people. Who would come out of that tribulation. And out of that whole process. Of walking with Jesus. And somehow. They will have the patience of the saints. Those that will keep the commandments of God. And will have the faith of Jesus. 
How is it that they will keep the commandments of God? Oh, pastor, you don't know about the commandments of God. Well, let me tell you, they will have the law of love in their hearts. Somehow they will know how to interpret God's love onto their neighbors, onto their enemies. Stop the debate. I'm not here to debate with you whether your theology works or not. I'm here to tell you God has told us to love each other as he has shared love with us. God has told us that in his last days, he will lead his people in such a way that others will know they surely have been in contact with him because of the way they speak, the way they treat others, the way they share, the way they are able to love. Oh, pastor, that nonsense of love. Let me tell you, if love doesn't change someone's heart, nothing will. Nothing will. If love is not why you're here, nothing will keep you here. Nothing else will keep you here. If His love is not enough to transform your own heart and desires, nothing else will. When we see the cross in Calvary, and we see Him giving everything for us, if that doesn't change us, I don't know what else will. If the love for Christ and His sacrifice is not enough, there's nothing in the world that can reach you. That was the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of human beings. That whenever you and I were to see that, our hearts would be broken to know that we did not deserve to be saved. Yet He gave everything for you and me. With that in mind, our only responsibility and blessing is to be partakers of that salvation unto others. There is no other joy in this world than to bring others to Christ. Oh, I tell you, you, you haven't experienced anything about church if you have not bring one person to Christ yet. I, I am tired of, of fighting committees and, and people going this way and that way and whether I'm vaccinated or vaccinated, I have to say it. That is not Christ's love. That has nothing to do with the anti-message. But what about the vaccine, Pastor? Forget the vaccine. We're talking about serious things that are taking place right now. And that fight has been taken in your heart. That, that fight has been taken in your minds. Your family. Now he's going to sing a song for us. That will bring us to the closing of this message. And this is a prayer. This is a prayer that I want you to read the words as she is singing. We tried our best to translate it. And we pray about this. And, and, and we said, Lord, what would be the message that you want the church to hear? And I believe this is it. This is what he told us to share with you. So as Nadia sings, I want you to read the words and understand what the Lord is saying. Jesus is coming again. If you were to forget something about today... There are two words that you shouldn't forget. Pray. And Jesus is coming again. Those two things. Make sure your children know about that. Your grandchildren. Your great-grandchildren. But their parents are not able to see them. Tell the parents, look. These children need to be in heaven. Give them the opportunity to know Jesus. A 
As Nadia sings, I want you to reflect on the words that you're going to see on the screen. And if you feel compelled, if you feel that the Spirit is calling you to recommit yourself to God, I want you to... plan there is no methodology there is not a calendar that will put us there only the holy spirit will do this work finally we understood finally we came to the conclusion that only only the holy spirit will do it if god is calling you today come up to the front bring your family with you i want to pray with you
Father, we come before you because we now understand that we have an urgency, an urgency to pray and to get to know you better, an urgency to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We have now come to the conclusion that we cannot go any farther without your blessing, without your guidance. Lord, our children, our family, there's nothing that can change their hearts unless it's you and your love. So we pray. By some miraculous way, you're going to find them and you're going to reach out to them. And they will hear your word. And they will prepare themselves. We pray for those who are away right now. That for time to time, we've been praying for them. Lord, you have told us that you will save our children. And we know the urgency of this message goes out into the world. But first, we need to prepare our own Jerusalem. So we ask you, Lord, to please transform us, change our hearts, use us, and fill us up with your spirit that we may go out to others not with our own understanding, not with our experience or, or knowledge, but with your character being shown. Thank you, Lord, for the families that come up to the front, that came. Thank you for those who are watching online. Thank you for those who are still where they are, because we know your spirit is moving them. We give you full surrender to our to, to, uh, to you. We surrender ourselves, Lord, to you. 
And we ask you to please do whatever it takes so we may be safe. Bless our leaders, Lord. Bless the people up in the north that they don't have the blessing of coming to church. Give them the knowledge and the opportunity to find the strength to connect with you regardless of where they meet or where they are. And as we go out onto the community here in town, give us the opportunity to share with someone else the everlasting gospel, Jesus Christ, His blessings, and the message of His certain return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats back. Keith is going to play a special song for us. And I want us to take the time to look into the pews. There is a piece of paper that you will find there. It's a reflection of this message. Don't be too quick to leave the presence of God. Take the time to reflect on what you have done and what you have heard. So let's take out from the pews that little piece of paper that it was said it was left there. And as we hear the Lord's prayer, may we all feel in the presence of God.
Praise the Lord.